0: Come to me, all you that labor and are burdened, and I will refresh you," said the Lord, as recorded in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Notice he did not say, "Come to me if you have been vaccinated." He went even to the lepers, and yet healthy people who don't want the abortion tainted so called vaccine are being banned from churches by government and saddest, by church leaders themselves. There are definite lines being drawn in the proverbial sand, and in general with notable exceptions. These lines, they go along the lines of orthodoxy versus modernist type of approaches to the faith. This is the John Henry Weston Show. Stay tuned. Let's begin, as we always do, with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Last week, news spread across the world about a tiny Canadian Catholic diocese in eastern Canada. Archbishop Valerie Vienneux of Moncton, New Brunswick, decreed that anyone over the age of 12 who attends a religious gathering in a church in his archdiocese must be doubly vaccinated. So, in a letter to Catholics... Uh, in Moncton, the Archdiocese, Vienno wrote, beginning, and this is a quote from the letter, beginning Wednesday, September 22nd, at any gathering inside our churches, rectories, or community centers under our supervision, those present must be doubly vaccinated, end quote. The Archbishop stipulated that such gatherings include religious celebrations, Sunday and weekly masses, prayer meetings, baptisms, weddings, and funerals, confirmations in social gatherings, bingos and card games. So uh, he qualified that children under 12 are not required to take the, the jab in order to participate because he said they cannot currently be vaccinated, end quote. Um, so of course, Catholics normally have an obligation to attend mass in person every Sunday, and in Canada at Christmas and New Year's Day as well, unless, of course, they're ill or caring for a sick child or physically impeded from traveling to get to Mass. But not fulfilling that Sunday obligation is considered a serious sin, and participating at Mass is considered central to the spiritual life of the faithful Catholic. Even Catholics who have incurred excommunication and thus can't receive the sacraments are still encouraged to take part in Sunday worship. That means all the pro-abortion politicians and others living in serious sin. But those banned are the unvaccinated. It's just unreal. However, there was an amazing follow-up. The bishop attempted, first of all, to excuse his banning of the unvaccinated Catholics from Mass by recounting a meeting he had with the New Brunswick Minister of Health, Dorothy Shepard. And you know what's interesting about that? Even though, yes, he's blaming it on this meeting, there is no provincial mandate for proof of vaccination at religious gatherings. So there is the, or was the, uh, collusion or who knows what, on the part of the bishop. Villeneuve did say that parents who come to, can't come to their child's first reconciliation, that's first confession, they would be barred unless they took the shot. And that left many people wondering if the faithful would actually been denied the sacrament of penance or confession unless they took the abortion tainted jab. Well, the story didn't end there, because days later, that same vaccine mandate in Moncton was overturned. It's not clear exactly why and what caused the walk back, but I'm sure there was massive pressure. On September 24th, Archbishop Vienneux updated those guidelines that just went into effect two days before, and the ban was partially rescinded. The new measures, which were, by the way, agreed on by all four bishops of the province, now state that, quote, no proof of vaccination will be required, end quote, for attendance at most church services, including masses and baptisms. But he did add, or they did add, that access to weddings and funerals will still be restricted to those who have taken the experimental COVID shot. Now, according to the Moncton Diocese, the change came about as a result of new directives from the Minister of Health. However, those uh, guidelines also include the fact that children's catechesis must be Uh, done by those who are fully jabbed. And according to the statement, as well as any adults who wish to attend the classes, they too must be fully vaccinated. So, you know, okay, look, I'm going to say it, with such mandates, I would never allow my children to attend catechesis there anyway. So, whatever. But if I had to guess at the real cause of what happened in this reversal, I'd say that the Bishop of St. John's, New Brunswick, who said from the outset that he would not be banning non-vaccinated Catholics from mass is actually what caused the turnaround. But that was only the latest manifestation of this insanity. And you know what's interesting? It does seem to line up along the lines of Orthodox versus modernist Catholicism, at least for the most part. So back in May, the ultra modernist Cardinal Blaise Supich of Chicago announced that parishioners can return to Mass unmasked, but only if they provide proof of vaccination. And even before that, in March, modernist Cardinal Sean O'Malley of Boston made the reception of the COVID jab a necessary prerequisite to a lady participating in certain ministries at parishes, such as serving at the altar. The bishop of the Diocese of Paterson, warned that priests who do not accept the abortion-tainted COVID-19 injections could face removal from active ministry, though he shied away from actually mandating the injections. The letter from Bishop Kevin Sweeney stated, uh, that was September 14th, um, and uh, it stated that the—it actually uh, was horrible—it referred to the Feast of the Exaltation of the Cross— And appeared to equate COVID 19 abortion tainted, mind you, injections with, and I quote, the life giving power of the Holy Cross, end quote. Absolutely sickening. Well, LifeSite's David McClune provided a roundup of the stances of various US bishops on the question, and it was very consistent that left leaning bishops were much more likely to go with the vaccine mandates, while Orthodox leaning bishops were more likely to be open to medical freedom and freedom of conscience. McClune reported that two left-leaning U.S. archbishops have refused to endorse religious exemptions for parishioners who wish to forego the abortion-tainted jab. Archbishop Paul D. Etienne of Seattle and Archbishop Nelson J. Perez of Philadelphia are the two Catholic prelates to actively discourage parishioners from seeking exemptions to avoid uh, the ethically questionable COVID-19 jabs. Earlier in August, New York Cardinal Timothy Dolan and LA Archbishop Jose Gomez instructed clergy to refuse to sign exemption letters for parishioners based on the Pope's continued support for the morally permit for the moral permissibility of the jabs, but Cardinal Dolan was actually joined by Jose Gorm, Gomez, the current president of the US Catholic Bishops Conference, and also by that hugely left-leaning Bishop Robert McElroy of San Diego. All three cited the Pope, the Holy See, as having given its approval to the use of the morally questionable shots. Now, going one step further, John Stowe of Lexington, Kentucky, who's probably the most left-leaning or unorthodox or whatever modernist bishop in the United States, he's ordered that not only must there be no endorsement from the diocese for vaccine exemptions, but also that before September 1st, all diocesan staff will be required to be vaccinated against COVID-19 as a condition of their employment. And this is really unbelievable from a left-leaning Marxist type of bishop, but nonetheless, there you have it. So in an August 17th letter, Bishop Stowe insisted that getting the jab, quote, is an urgent matter of public health and safety, and he said also that there is, quote, no religious exemption for Catholics to being vaccinated, and Pope Francis has repeatedly called this a moral obligation, end quote. Stowe actually made the claim that public health systems are overburdened by a crisis uh, caused primarily by those who refuse to protect themselves and others by getting vaccinated, end quote. Where these bishops... Uh, think they have become medical experts is totally beyond me. Nonetheless, there you have it. So what we come to now is this very interesting difference between bishops on the left or modernist and those who really find themselves to be orthodox, or at least partially so, or given to orthodoxy in the faith. So the bishops of South Dakota and Colorado, also known for their conservatism, as well as one bishop in Puerto Rico, have all given their support to those who have decided against being injected with the abortion-tainted jabs. Also, so South Dakota Bishop Donald DeGrood, he's from Sioux Falls, and Bishop Peter Newick, I think it's pronounced, from Rapid City. They both signed a letter in which they explained that, quote, one may accept COVID-19 vaccines in good conscience if certain conditions are met, but doing so is not a universal moral duty. We echoed the Vatican, they, they said, which explained in a doctrinal note that practical reason makes evident that vaccination is not, as a rule, a moral obligation, end quote. The bishops of Colorado also took a similar position, noting that, quote, well-founded convictions uh, inform the choice of many parishioners who forego the potential life threatening jabs. They said, and i quote it for you, in the case of the COVID-19 vaccine, we are convicted that the government should not impose medical interventions on an individual or group of persons, end quote. Uh, This led them to affirm that, quote, there is no authoritative church teaching universally obliging Catholics to receive any vaccine. An individual Catholic may invoke church teaching to refuse a vaccine that used abortion-derived cell lines. At any stage of the creation of the vaccine. Also, the Orthodox leaning National Catholic Bioethics Center came out in support of freedom of conscience, with the center's president, Joseph Meany, stating that, We do not approve of coercive pressure tactics or vaccine mandates, particularly ones without generous medical, conscience, and religious mandates, exceptions. The NCBC, National Catholic Bioethics Center, has also produced a template letter for Catholics who object to vaccine mandates, granting individuals an easy way to explain to employers the principled religious basis on which a Catholic may determine that he or she ought to refuse certain vaccines. So really what stands out is the way the fight works. The the protests of those refusing to abandon their conscience rights will win the day in the end. You know, Pushing back really does make a difference. We've got to do that. You know, a very close friend of mine uh, was threatened with removal from his job uh, for fighting the vaccines at his place of work. And, you know, he was a very smart guy and he he involved a lawyer, in fact, just a paralegal, and sent a letter uh, outlining his rights uh, to his employer and he was immediately reinstated. We've got to be able to fight back. And speaking of fighting back, I want to leave you with the words of the heroic Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano, who addressed an anti-vaccine passport protest uh, in a square in Turin in Italy on Sunday. Archbishop Vigano denounced the use of the pandemic by higher powers to bring about the Great Reset The former Apostolic Nuncio to the United States established the connection between the imposition of the Green Pass in Italy and the establishment of the Great Reset. And uh, he's warned about this, of course, on many occasions. But on Sunday, Vigano began by expressing his support for the people gathered and um, also around the world for people who are resisting the narrative of lies, as he called it, from the mainstream media. Archbishop Vigado then denounced the establishment of the health dictatorship uh, in which both laypeople and clerics have taken part. He said, and I quote for you, It is disconcerting to see how all political forces, including the ones you might have expected to oppose the establishment of this health dictatorship, have become accomplices of an elite of criminal conspirators, rulers, magistrates, police forces, doctors and scientists, public and private officials, journalists, but also bishops and priests, and the Vatican leaders themselves, end quote. Archbishop Vigano continued, he said, It is also necessary to go deeper, that is, to recognize that what we see happening corresponds to an inhuman project by forces who hate not only the health of the body, but also, and above all, the salvation of the soul. The archbishop went on to attribute the current demise of inhumanity to the rejection or infidelity to, to God's commandments, to the many sins of men, especially the crime of abortion. Let me quote it for you. He said, We must recognize that if we have come to this point, we owe it in large part to our own infidelity, to letting others decide for God what is right and what is not to allowing in the name of tolerance, the murder of children in the womb, the killing of the sick and the elderly, the degeneration of Christian morality, and the corruption of children and young people. He said, what we see today is the poisoned fruit of decades of dissolution, of rebellion against the law of the Lord, of sins and vices that cry out for vengeance in the sight of God. He said, divine providence is showing us what the world can become when it abandons the lordship of Jesus Christ and places itself under the slavery of Satan, End quote. The archbishop concluded his message with inspiration from a former pope, quoting the great John Paul II. He said, I would like to make my own the words of John Paul II, who said at the beginning of his pontificate in 1978, open wide the doors to Christ. Do not be afraid. He concluded saying, But above all, I beg you, I implore you, let us return to live in the grace of God, to frequent the sacraments, to practice the virtues, to be good Christians, faithful to the promises of our baptism, and authentic witnesses of Christ. He ended his message with inviting everyone to pray with him the Lord's Prayer. So let's you and I do that now. Amen. For LifeSite News, this is John Henry Weston. And may God bless you. Hi, this is John Henry Weston, the co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSite News. I'm coming to you today because we want to be sure that we're communicating clearly with you, our loyal followers. Things are really heating up, as I'm sure you can see. Christians, conservative truth-tellers— are being targeted, are being banned from social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at an alarmingly fast rate. They are attempting to suppress any narrative that does not fit that of the mainstream media. We knew this day would come. We have been warning everyone who would listen and attempting to build up alternative platforms to continue to reach you. more than these alternative social media platforms we highly encourage you to subscribe to our email newsletter we have really built up a large list of loyal readers on our email marketing platform and we have prepared several backup plans for well i want to say if but it's really when we are removed from our current platform as well additionally I really encourage you, as I said before, to make it a regular habit to go directly to LifeSiteNews.com. Make it your homepage. While all of these different platforms are an excellent way to curate your news, going directly to our website means that you will never encounter any censorship or sudden loss of news reporting. Here's the thing. We will never stop sharing the truth. We founded this organization with the mission to be the life, family, and culture source for men and women who seek to know the truth. We have established a track record of honest reports, and this will never stop, even with censorship happening around the globe. Again, I'm encouraging you to join us on Parlor, Mewee Rumble, and on our email list. You can find all the direct links in the description of this video. May God bless you and keep you, and we are so thankful that you've chosen to follow and support LifeSite News. I'm John Henry Weston, co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSight News.